This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9. And a very good afternoon to you. My name's Mick Coyle. Welcome to the Legal Surgery here every Thursday, talking about all matters law with our resident solicitor, Mark Ellis from James Morris Solicitors. Good afternoon, Mark. He's back this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm back this week. I'm I'm not here next week, but I was here last week. And just to see you, Mick, we have such good fun doing this, don't we? You are here next week, though, aren't you? I can't be here next week, but my colleague will be here with to fill in. Oh, right. You're supposed to tell me this off air. I just thought I'd throw it in now. You've thrown a real spanner in the works right at the start. Uh, Mark Ellis joins us each and every week, well, most weeks, as we've just found out, uh, to answer your legal questions. Now, those legal questions might be to do with family matters, uh, traffic offences, and that sort of thing. They can be about uh, home and property issues that you want to get some solicitors' advice on, or a whole host of different things that we've talked about on the show in the past. Now, we've had plenty of emails which have come through this week, and we'll crack on with them in just a few moments' time. Uh, There is a news story, though, Mark, today that uh, some people will have been hearing about in the uh, news here on City Talk 105.9. It's in the newspapers as well. And uh, this idea about prenuptial agreements being legally binding uh, Mm. within the eyes of the law. Now, I think a lot of people already know about prenups, what they're supposed to do. Uh, Are they not already legally binding? No, they're not already legally binding. It's something that the court could pay consideration to, but but sometimes doesn't. And, and certainly in this in this country, although there have been prenups present in, in lots of cases, it doesn't necessarily mean at all that that a court would uh, would recognise it and go along with the terms of the prenuptial agreement. So really, everything falls into the melting pot, and the court will de- will decide upon how how those assets should be divided. Now, what um, the law commission are suggesting, and the law commission in essence are advising the government and Professor. Cook was on television this morning, I think, talking about, um, you know, looking at uh, prenuptial agreements and their validity in this day and age and how they could well um, uh, assist people, especially people who are going into perhaps a second marriage, who have assets for for their children from their first marriage, they want to protect that, and therefore a prenuptial agreement might be something that that, um, would assist. I think it's also relevant in this day and age where lots of people are, are, are going to the family courts and dealing with divorces themselves as litigants in person because, of course, there is no legal aid. So I think with that background, they do become more and more relevant. And I think, although it's not law at the moment, certainly I think the Law Commission, Professor Elizabeth Cook, is going to be uh, advising the government that, that they are relevant in this day and age. So at the moment, the people who have them, it's sort of a, sort of a mini-contract, if you like, which might be used as, as evidence within a case. Mick, you've absolutely nailed it on the head. It might be used, you know, it might be used in uh, in family courts in, in, when dealing with the finances, but it might not. There's no guarantee at all. It's for the judge to determine. And and really, it's, it's potentially not worth the paper it's written on, but it's something that might be raised, certainly as part of the negotiation or indeed as evidence, as you say, but no guarantees it'll be relied upon whatsoever. Now, what the Law Commission are suggesting is that there is a certain type of prenuptial agreement that could be, um, uh, could be used and, and uh, therefore accepted by the court that that is the agreement, and that, I think, is what uh, the Law Commission are going to be suggesting to the government. I mean, it's quite a strange idea for anybody who's uh, who's married and who doesn't have a prenuptial agreement. This idea of of going into a uh, sort of a marriage contract, if you like, but beforehand. So, oh, by the way, if things do go wrong, 
we're going to do this, that, or the other. It is quite. Well, it's know, incredibly unromantic, isn't it? Well, it you is, think I think about that's it. What it is. Darling, you're wonderful. I, th- I want to spend my life with you. I'm not talking to you, by the way, Mick. <laughs> I'm just imagining it. This, not you. Um, but you know, just just to say, um, you know, you, you're, you're planning your lives together and what you're going to do together. And then, oh, by the way, just sign here to say that uh, I get the Morris Minor. You know that sort of thing. It's 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 tricky, isn't it? And it's incredibly unromantic, and in many ways, it's very un-British. But um, but there you go. That's that's one of those things. It's the future. Uh, we've got Mark Ellis with us. He's from James Murray Solicitors. He joins us each and every Thursday afternoon to answer your questions on the legal surgery. Thank you to everybody who's emailed their questions in today. Uh, now, uh, Peter's emailed a question. I've had to shorten this one as best I can. Uh, dear Mick, um, presumably Mark, because I won't be very good at answering this. You could. Uh, for, for Christmas, my daughter received an iPhone and £50, pound, uh, 50 pound iTunes vouchers. She asked me to set up an iTunes account, so I set up an email account on my iMac. After getting an iTunes account with the email address, I deposited £25. Pounds. When my daughter tried to download music from iTunes, she was asked security questions and uh, to add the new device to the account. Uh, it was only when I accessed the account details found that I had in fact added £25 to somebody else's account with the same email address I had created. I contacted Apple and asked them to credit my iTunes account with the money. To my surprise, they told me it was impossible to do what I said I had done. Uh, Credit to the lady. She asked me if I could access the account now, which I did. I provided details of purchases made on the account before Christmas Day just gone and the address of the account holder. She was amused and and said she would pass me on to her supervisor. I was told this needed to be dealt with by iTunes security and what I meant waiting. And then uh, eventually he goes on to say uh, that somebody dealt with the situation uh, on the computer remotely. She told me that a goodwill gesture would be sent an iPod Shuffle, which I told her I had no use for and would rather have a £25 credited to me. She told me this could not be done and I could have anything from the Apple Store to the value of £40. I replied to the email from iTunes Security asking if they could resolve the issue and they kept asking me for info I cannot provide as it is not my account. I have pointed out in my opinion I have highlighted a security issue with iTunes spent nearly three hours on the phone trying to resolve it and let them have access to my computer, uh, only to be told that I can spend £40 on something I don't want, but I can't have my money back. Any help or advice on this matter would be greatly appreciated. Peter sent that in to the station. Hmm. So a bit of a a pickle. Uh, Well, a bit of a pickle, but I think really just a bit of common sense applies here. And I think in fairness to Peter, he's doing everything he can to mitigate his position and get his money back. And he's being off... He's being offered options out of this, but he just doesn't want to accept it. And I suppose it's the principle of the matter. He's being offered vouchers up to the value of £40. He's been offered a, an iPod shuffle, I, I guess, as a, a gesture of goodwill from, from Apple. But ultimately, he wants the 25 quid that he's deposited into somebody else's account. So, you know, with the greatest respect, I think I might be missing the point, but can't Apple simply contact the person who who's wrongly received the 25 quid and ask if they'd reimburse your account to that, to that figure? Surely that would be the most obvious thing to do. If Apple can't reimburse you, I guess I can sort of understand that. Surely the person who has received the £25 vouchers know, would know that they haven't deposited that amount of money into their account. So cannot Apple divulge to you who that person is? And is that not the question that you should be asking? Well, by and, all accounts, he, he knows what the email is because it appears to be the same email that he's he's just created. Then why not send a little email to that person and say, um, any chance... It's a very good point, Mick, actually. <laughs> they, you do know that email address. Uh, it's a very complicated situation. It's a complicated situation, but it's really straightforward. You contact that person, you say, excuse me, I've wrongly deposited 25 quid.
it into your into your iTunes account. Any chance you can reimburse me? Thanks ever so much. Best wishes and wait and see. What would happen if, say, you had I don't know a housemate and you had you know various shares of the bills and your mm. housemate said, yeah, your share of the rent's due. Give us two hundred quid. Yeah. Uh, paid into my bank account. Yeah. If you paid it into their bank account, but you actually typed in a couple of wrong digits. And he mm. went to another bank account, somebody else's money. Could you then contact them or could you go to the bank and say, I've paid that into the... You'd have to contact the bank and say, oops, I've made a mistake. And you'd cancel it, wouldn't you? You'd cancel the payment and you'd say, I've, I've genuinely made a mistake. Uh, and then it would be for the bank to uh, to sort out and probably speak to the to the other party to make sure that they agree to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, in some way, shape or form, you'd have to have somebody to arbitrate the whole situation. You know, in this scenario, he knows the email address. Why not simply contact that person and say... You know, explain the scenario that you've inadvertently put £25 into their account. Could they reimburse you and see what they say? If they're being really awkward with you and they don't respond to you, then, you know, I, do you really want to litigate over this when you're being offered options out? I appreciate you don't want the 40 quid worth of vouchers, but, you know, with the greatest of respect to you, you, you are making on it slightly. You've put 25 quid in, you've been offered £40 vouchers back or something of that description. So... I don't know what you want to do. They, Apple is certainly mitigating their position, so they wouldn't be criticised in court. You're not going to get costs out of this or anything of that nature. It's it's an awful lot of running around for very little more. So um, think about maybe emailing that person and seeing what they say, or indeed asking Apple if they would be so good as to act as an intermediary and, and to speak to them and, and see where that gets you. But really, there might come a time in this respect, I don't mean to be to be rude at all, Peter, but there might come a time when you've simply got to draw a line under the whole thing. Peter, thank you for your email, surgery at citytalk.fm. If you've got a question for Mark Ellis on the legal surgery, it's here each and every Thursday. Send your questions in over any period during the week, and we might be uh, talking about it on a next week's show or a future show here on City Talk 105.9. Uh, this one comes with a little marker at the end which says, please, no names. That's absolutely fine. Dear City Talk, hi, I have a court case uh, in March. I got arrested for the theft of £5,000, which it wasn't that much. It was £1,000, if that. It happened last year. It's the first time I have been charged with any kind of crime. I admitted the crime. I was wondering what I will be facing. Could you please help? As I say, please, no names at the end of that one. Yes, it, well, it's difficult to tell you what sentence you're going to get. I'm assuming when answering this that, you, that you, um, you're a person of good character. If you're not, then of course um, the, the court would, would bear that in mind as well. That could be an aggravating feature. But in order to properly advise you, I'd have to find out, look, are we talking about um, you know, a sneak theft of some description? Are we talking about a huge amount of, of shoplifting up to, a, you know, you say it's worth 5000 but you dispute the amount, you say it's £1,000. But are we talking about that sort of thing? Or are we talking about a breach of trust where you've stolen from an employer behind your employer's back? Are you in a position of trust? So it's very, very difficult to, to be able to say to you, what are you going to get? But look, the first thing that you've got to sort out is that you say that the prosecution are maintaining that you've stolen £5,000 and you say oh, that's £1,000. That's the very first thing you've got to remedy because, of course, it's on that basis that you could be sentenced. So if you're accepting that you've stolen something, the first thing you've got to do is to work out what you accept you've stolen and to look at the evidence very carefully and to ask your solicitor to go through the evidence with you to make sure the prosecution can prove it. And if they can't prove it, then representations would need to be made to the prosecution uh, to that effect. Now then, if they say, well, actually, we're, if the prosecution say, no, no, it's £5,000, and you say it's 1000 and they maintain it's a £5,000, even though you're pleading guilty, 
you may have to go to court to give evidence in what we call a Newton hearing, where the court works out on what basis they sentence you. So it's something that's absolutely crucial in your case, and it's also crucial when deciding how you're going to be dealt with, because, of course, a disparity of, of a few thousand pounds is going to make a heck of a difference. So um, what are you going to get? really can't assist you. You know whether or not it's a breach of trust. You know whether, for instance, it's an employer-employee. You know whether you have previous convictions or not. Uh, and and from, from that basis, a court would make a determination whether, first of all, the magistrates have jurisdiction to deal with your case and, and secondly, um, the sort of sentence that you are likely to get in light of all that information that I've just given you. So it's a very, very difficult formula to put together over the radio and to say to you, well, you will definitively get this because there are a number of things that have to come together and be sorted out. What I would suggest you do is the moment you, you've listened to this message, you go and have a chat with your solicitor if you have one. And you, and you discuss this evidential point, the £5,000 or the £1,000, and then discuss with them also the, the uh, sentencing guidelines that magistrates have and the Crown Court has for this sort of offence, <clears throat> and also the mode of trial guidelines, to, to, if in some way, shape or form, the court, the magistrate's court can deal with you. If the magistrates can deal with you, and if it is one allegation of theft, the maximum sentence that the court could impose in the magistrate's court uh, would be six months, but I'm not saying you're going to get that. I'm just giving you an idea uh, how the magistrates could sentence you. OK, thank you for that question. Uh, if you'd like to remain anonymous when you're sending your questions, that's absolutely fine. No issues there at all. Uh, just make it nice and clear on the email that you send to surgery at citytalk.fm. We could be talking about your questions next week on the show if you send in your emails. Uh, Adam has sent a question and he says, is there a way of reclaiming costs if you are asked to appear as a witness in a court case that is a significant distance from your home, I'm writing from North Wales and I'm anticipating needing being sent or needing being in Somerset by summer. It's expensive to get there, but I would like to help the case if I can. Yes, I mean, if you're a prosecution witness, I think the the, um, the Crown Prosecution Service, if memory serves, do pay uh, reasonable costs. And uh, I don't know what the rate is. I have no idea, but I think they sort out uh, your travel arrangements or the cost of them. Um, in terms of if you're a general witness, if you're an expert witness or a witness um, for perhaps for the defence or something of that ilk, you can uh, complete a witness expenses form. You won't get very much, believe you me, but you can complete such a form when you go to court uh, and, the, and the court would then process it. What I would do is if you're anticipating you're going to a court in Somerset to actually give them a ring and see what the situation is with expenses. But by and, by and large, witnesses can uh, complete a witness expenses form, but they're all pretty much set fees. So you may find yourself out of pocket, so bear that in mind. It also depends really whether you're a prosecution witness or a defence witness, as I've already pointed out to you, but certainly it, you have that opportunity of um, uh, you know, getting your expenses. If you're the defendant, then forget it. You're not getting, although you're a witness, you're not getting expenses, <laughs> whether you're acquitted or, 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 or found guilty, I'm afraid. So it's, it's yes, if you're a witness, you, you are, but make sure you've got proof of, your, of your, the cost of your travel. Uh, we've got time for one more question, which has come through to surgery at citytalk.fm. It says, Dear Mark Ellis, can a marketing stroke advertisement company, advertisement, advertisement, uh, mm. a company make me pay £120 plus VAT as ever I have cancelled my account with them and they said I should have cancelled two weeks earlier as stated in my T's and C's. I've not received a copy of these T's and C's. Thank you. Well, the terms and conditions must be somewhere, so you need to find them. And it might be that you were referred to them 
uh, when you first enter into this contract. Uh, they, they may be somewhere, I don't know, but certainly you need to see see what they say and to see if there's any evidence linking you to those terms and conditions. If there isn't, if it's just simply an oral agreement, then, then your agreement is based on that oral agreement. But if in some way, shape or form, these terms and conditions have been embroidered into your agreement with this company, then that's a starting point to look at. And I would suggest that you look at them in any event and you ask for a copy of them straight away. Would that need to be something which uh, the correspondent here will have signed? Not necessarily, no, not at all. Uh, you might find that it, that it's simply uh, 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 he, he may have he may have signed an agreement, and somewhere in the small print it said subject to terms and conditions or something of that ilk. Um, if it's an oral agreement, it might just have been somebody saying, "Listen, this is subject to our terms and conditions." Um, but you know they've got to be adopted by that agreement. But the chances are, if he signs something and and that small line is in there somewhere, then then it, that's where he has to start looking. Uh, okay, and with that, we're out of time. Okay, mate. Mark Ellis, thank you for your it's time today. It's been a today. pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your thoughts as well on, on prenuptial agreements. They are very strange. Seems like a very American thing. It does. Well, that's why I said it was. It's very un-British. I think it is really. I think it's. But the British like to sort of um, believe in romance, etc., don't they? Rather it's, than that, expecting disaster around every corner. Well, it's that idea of going. You know, I'm here to give my everything to you, to having to hold sickness yeah. and health and all that sort of. But, yeah. but not the yacht. But not the yacht. You've got a yacht. Dear <laughs> me. Doesn't everybody have a yacht? I wish I had a yacht. I should, I should be in radio, really. That's the thing, <laughs> uh, no, a very strange one. But thank you for your thoughts on that one as well. So, Mark, you're away next week. We, we will have the legal surgery. It'll it, be on. It'll be Jim. It'll be Jim next week. Jim Murray from James Murray Solicitors. Yeah. So uh, keep your questions coming in on the email. The email address never changes. Surgery at citytalk.fm. That's surgery at citytalk.fm. And hopefully, here at City Talk 105.9, we'll be helping you next week. This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9.